3: Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from the beautiful WDBO studios in Orlando, Florida, on the road after a great night at the Plaza Live, being able to meet uh, hundreds of uh, listeners and viewers of Fox and listening to this radio show and be able to talk about the president and Freedom Fighter, now number three in the country, thanks to all you guys. This hour, we're going to speak to Tom DiNano. Uh He's an adjunct fellow at the Hudson Institute. If you want to know what's going on with China and the origin of this virus, uh, he will tell us what happened and what they're not telling us. and I want to get into whether you think we should boycott this Olympics. I love what Enos Kanter's doing, the center from the Boston Celtics. He's calling out China. He's calling out Nike. He's calling out LeBron. And maybe it's time for us to call out. I don't want to destroy the Olympic Games. That's my fear. I know these athletes. They they, they train in obscurity, especially in the winter. They have this moment where they can finally cash in for their great works, their their dedication. And I know if we boycott China, they're going to boycott us, and maybe the game's destroyed forever. But there could be a diplomatic boycott. I gotta get him to weigh in on that. And the number to call 1866-408-7669. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three.
4: Number three. President Biden just turned seventy-nine. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, Pretty much everyone, you know, I've talked to doesn't think he will. President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately he's going to run, he's going to run. Nobody believes it.
3: And here's the thing. Rachel Bade of CNN is is, is onto something because, remember, he did not have to run at 76. He was—you see how little energy he has. You see how light his schedule is. You see how few interviews he actually gives— But he can't afford to tell us he's not going to run. The people stop listening to him. Meanwhile, uh, he's done an absolute terrible job because it's pretty clear to Democrats, Republicans, independents. He is not up for this.
0: Number two.
5: The first thing that happened was last week, the unvaccinated were locked down. They could not leave their houses without good reason. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the creation of literally a two tier society. Now the whole country is locked down unless you've got a good reason to leave your house
3: And he's talking about Austria, and that's Nigel Farage, who's located in the U.K., and there's a fear in Europe as they start locking down, bringing back mandates. Could that happen here? Could the lefty leaders try to do that again? And if so, what can we do to stop it? We'll discuss it because the numbers are, you guessed it, going up again.
1: Number one. The fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that?
3: That's Tiffany Cross of MSNBC. I hesitate playing that because I don't want to give her publicity because she's ridiculous. The Rittenhouse speaks, and the leftist media fumes as the 18-year-old is found innocent, and now Democrats do what they do best, cry racism. This is not only wrong, it is dangerous, and I'm not kidding. So you know about Kyle Rittenhouse, and you know about the verdict that came out. I get it. But if you watch the trial, this should not be surprising. Even I watched Jeffrey Tubin of CNN say, look, self-defense was proven in this. You might not like it. You might be upset with the system. But I watched him basically say in a panel— But then Van Jones pivots to talk about race and whites and and self-defense if that was a black kid. What do you mean if that was a black kid? If that was a black kid being chased by other black kids or young men, all of which, by the way, have long criminal records, and he was proving to be in self-defense because we have multi angle video of it, he would have been exonerated too. That is just a fact. People don't want to admit it, but that is a fact. I cannot believe that this is the reaction— from the mass media who watched the trial. This was clearly self-defense. Now, even his mom says, I, in retrospect, I never should have drove him there. He never should have showed up with the gun. Got it. But his his objectives were pure. His aims were fine to protect these small businesses because the cops were not protecting them. Because the idiot governor refused the President, Trump at the time, request to have National Guard in there. So, Listen to I think that uh, Alan Dershowitz put it best and I think put it in perspective a liberal attorney who taught at Harvard for for decades cut 15
6: this is the worst case of coverage of a criminal trial in the more than a half century that I have been observing media obsessions with criminal trials including the O J Simpson case it's mm-hmm. the worst seen more factual mistakes have been made and i have a remedy for this let cnn replay every one of the mistakes they made he carried an illegal gun over state lines uh he had no business being in kenosha he had no relatives let them put on the air the people who made those misstatements let them then either justify them or apologize let there be some accountability
3: and i would love for This guy to sue all these organizations like Nicholas Sandman did, who obviously was exonerated. They said he was just smirky, uh, stuck up kid who's made racial uh, overtones and sat there smugly looking at a uh, a American Indian who was playing the drums right in front of him. When you took the long shot, the wide shot, it was clear the kid did nothing wrong except just stand there and stare. They were just walking on a tour and instead they were confronted by a radical uh, black group. And some uh, American Indians who wanted to make a statement, and he sued and won. But he's he's under a, uh, I guess, a, a, a hush order because he uh, got a huge payout, and that was part of it. And I think this guy should do the same thing because the court case has proven that he's exonerated on this. But I also hope on one level that he can get on with his life because he's going to speak to Tucker. He spoke to Tucker yesterday. And he told him his point of view. You also saw him on the stand. So anyone who thinks he had an easy time at the trial because he was white, he got out. These were white guys that got shot. They were all with rich criminal, criminal backgrounds. And one is a two of them were sexual predators. We know that. But he sat and talked to Tucker yesterday. Evidently, Fox Nation was doing a mini documentary on it. You'll see more of that. Here's one cut of what he told Tucker about this. Misconceptions about this trial and who he is. Cut seven.
7: This case has nothing to do with race. Um, It never had anything to do with race. It had to do with the right to self-defense. Right. Um, I'm not a racist person. I support the BLM movement. I support peacefully demonstrating. And I believe there needs to be change. I believe there's a lot of prosecutorial misconduct, not just in my case, but in other cases. And it's just amazing to see how, how much a prosecutor can take advantage of somebody.
3: Yeah, and the prosecutor made stuff up, uh, tried to minimize the shooting. Uh, He actually did not hand over the video he was supposed to and the quality in which he had it. Cut eight.
7: I tell everybody there what happened. I said I had to do it. I I was just attacked. I was dizzy. I was vomiting.
3: I, I couldn't breathe. And he saved himself. And these guys were just wreaking havoc that night. Please tell me that you take their point of view. You think that's okay? And basically, he was there defensively. And I think it's just so clear. If you haven't followed the trial, just say I haven't followed the trial. Don't say this is another example of a racist America. Glenn Greenwald, a liberal writer who now writes for Substack because the company that he founded, the paper that he founded, the organization that he founded kicked him out. Cut
0: eleven. When I did sit down to watch the trial, I was infuriated that everything I had been taught to believe about what happened here by the media was radically different than the facts of the case as they developed. And multiple media outlets around the world, like the biggest ones in Brazil, in Holland, in the UK, have all repeatedly reported that the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed were yeah. black.
3: Think about that. That's what people tell me. You know, I was talking to somebody from Ireland over the weekend, and he says, you know, all they get is CNN over there. They have this radical view of what America really is. They don't get Fox, or it's on such an obscure channel by so few cable systems no one watches. They think that what CNN and MSNBC do is what we believe, which is not true. In fact, if you look at the ratings, no one's even watching. The ratings have never—not never— uh, when they first opened up, they had almost no viewers uh, those early days when there was only when Ted Turner was running the place. But in recent time, over the last 15 years, their ratings have never been lower. They are just people are just walking away from both those networks. And by the way, MSNBC is losing their two biggest names, Rachel Maddow and Brian Williams. If that doesn't indicate a sinking ship, I don't know what i I'm going to talk about Joe Biden, too. I don't want to take up too much time. I want to be able to take some calls at the bottom of the hour. I do want to talk about China. But when you look at what's happening with Joe Biden right now and with, the, with our economy, inflation's happening, he's ignoring it, he's always in reaction mode. With the supply chain, we're too stupid to understand, so he doesn't try to explain. When it comes to this court case, he says uh, we have to go by the what the jury decides, he quickly walks it back. He tells us that the Wall Street Journal report that he's paying uh, these illegal aliens $500,000 because they got separated from their child at the border. He says that's a garbage report, they quickly write it back. It is so clear to me that Joe Biden is not up for this job. He has no idea how to negotiate. We know that he walks into these Democratic meetings trying to twist their arm on the bipartisan deal in his reconciliation package, and he never even asked them or tells them how to vote. I thought at first it was his way. I'm going to be a listener. You guys come together. But now I realize after watching him with China on the virtual conference, not even bringing up the origins of the virus and their belligerence in the South China Sea, when I watch him with the Mexican and Canadian leader, uh, we find out, uh, Obrador, we find out he never even brought up the problems at the border. The guy does not is not into the job. He is not up for the job. He's not capable of doing the job. He would have been a bad president, which is why he got no electoral votes early. But it was only because of the extreme measures of the pandemic that allowed him to stay in the basement. And that the second contender was Bernie Sanders. And that would have been an automatic loss for his party. They had to reach to him. Pete Buttigieg had no clientele. He couldn't get one black vote. And we know that Kamala Harris was ill-prepared. She had plenty of money, charisma, and background, but she didn't know the issues. And she could not pivot, could not answer a question, got blown up by Tulsi Gabbard. Just remember that. That's the reason why he's president. But he's given an opportunity. And that opportunity, it was blown up right before our eyes. Now they're talking about it's 78. He wants to make it clear he's running again. But he can't be running again. He can't do the job. They're talking about Pete Buttigieg. Well, Pete what changed? He took three months off during the worst supply chain chain disaster in our history. And this guy's opportunity to leave didn't even tell anybody publicly. He might have told Joe Biden. What if he was president? Was he going to take three months off, too? Here's more from Rachel Bade of CNN. Cut 33.
4: The reality is, look, uh, President Biden just turned 79. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, Pretty much everyone, you know, I've talked to doesn't think he will. And so even though you saw reports like the Washington Post over the weekend had a story about how President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately he's going to run, he's going to run, nobody believes it.
3: Yeah, so she's with Politico Playbook. It's a much read in the morning, has been for a while. Axios is even better, though. Goes on to say that the problem is the vice president is not up for the job either. Everything she does is wrong. Nothing is natural. She doesn't study the issues. She always comes out on the radical side of things, condemning this verdict, bailing out uh, rioters uh, with the BLM BLM riots, urging everyone to bail them out. May these people come out and commit other crimes. Who would have thought? Cut 32.
4: Typically in a situation like this, the number two, the vice president, would be the one everybody sort of looks to to take the mantle. But— There are a lot of concerns that Kamala Harris just doesn't have what it takes to win uh, nationwide. And so that's why you have people saying, "Okay, who's going to be the party leader? Right now, Republicans have a lot of momentum. There's a lot of fear in the Democratic Party about what happens, you know, when Biden steps aside, if he steps aside. And so this jockeying is going to continue and you'll continue to see the White House sort of Mm -hmm. bat it back. And people like Pete Buttigieg say, oh... Nothing to see here, but there's a lot to see
3: there. You know, I've always had this theory, and I have not heard it echoed anywhere, which could mean that it's way off base and not going to come true, or I'm a genius. But you got to pick one. You can't have it either way. Hunter Biden is so compromised. His deals are so controversial and anti-American and, dare I say, illegal. And was just buried. And I said, when they want to get rid of Joe Biden— Those stories will start emerging in major outlets, like the Washington Post and New York Times. About a month ago, we started hearing stories that, you know that New York Post laptop story? It looks like the emails were real. Really? Okay. No kidding. We knew that, but no one was acknowledging that. They wouldn't run with the story. You know what happened on Saturday, front page? Hunter Biden, 2013, took this major American company, packaged it, and helped sell it, To a Chinese company. So what's the big deal? It was a Chinese company known for excavation. The mine that they bought was in the Congo. The substance and the the mineral that they're buying is cobalt. Cobalt needed for batteries, which is the new transition that President Biden and the rest of the world want us to pivot to. He helped turn over this mine to China and give them control. How anti-American can you get? This guy made millions of dollars. Are you telling me the president didn't know it as these stories come forward in major outlets? That's the Democratic Party saying, time to get rid of Joe. Watch what happens. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show on the road in Orlando. Thanks for being here. Back with you in a moment.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: And I just look at his performance. I, Brett, I think what everybody in America has seen over the last 10 months is he's just simply not up to the job. And his administration is not up to the job. They ran based upon uniting the country, bringing greater competence to the White House in their view, and they failed miserably on both. And so I don't buy it. I think he's saying it because he knows that Republicans are gathering momentum. But I, quite frankly, don't know how Joe Biden running in 2024 would be the least bit intimidating Republicans.
3: So if Joe Biden was going to run, he'd have to run against a lot of the things that he's been doing. He'd talk about the relentless spending, the $1.9 trillion where the Treasury Secretary for President Obama said that that really ignited inflation. Uh, the reconciliation package— Uh, that is going to be done if it's going to pass on pure party line votes. When the moderates have already said, listen, we don't want to vote for this now. Nobody really thinks we need it now. Joe Manchin says, let this thing play out. But he's running on a left-wing agenda that also wants to defund the police. So he's picking and choosing what he's going to support. So I thought this was interesting. Over the weekend – Axios did a show on HBO that has a weekly show on HBO. Jonathan Swan does a lot of the interviews. And this whole defund the police movement, they want it to go away. And it's the most sim- simply the most damaging thing that Democrats have done to themselves and to the country. Because when you, you are not saying uh, I'm putting down police, you're saying I want anarchy in this nation. I empty the prisons. I disempower the police. I defund the police. And I humiliate the police. I get people to resign or get fired especially with his vaccine vaccine mandate with those liberal cities. And then you have chaos reigning. And that's what's happening. That's why crime is rising. So you would think that somebody like Rashida Tlaib, who's getting you would understand that by using that term, by backing up that phrase, that it would be detrimental to our own party. Listen to this exchange, Cut 38.
9: Enough increasing policing. It is cl- killing people. It's like every time we see crime go up, we say, oh, my God, let's put more police officers out there. Let's put more guns out there.
0: I'll tell you, when I read that tweet, because you said it can't be reformed, yeah. that suggests to Oh, me, yeah, it can't
9: be reformed. That's a very true statement. You said no more police... Nice. No, yeah, but that was
0: in your quote. You said no more policing, incarceration and militarization. It can't be reformed. So, to me, I, I, I hear that, I see that tweet and I think, oh, oh police can't be reformed, therefore we need to get rid of them. And same with jails. Yeah,
9: policing in our country is broken. We we have to reimagine what it means to be safe in our country. What you're talking
0: about is a reduction in police.
9: I'm saying that our police structure right now isn't working the way we police our communities. It's just not working.
3: Okay. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Uh, I think she's uh, in a party of ten. Those ten people talk to each other and they think the country's there. The country's not there. When we come back inside China, the origins of the virus and more.
8: A radio
2: show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
9: Does he plan to bring up the COVID-19 origins with President Xi, given he has said that China has
1: been blocking investigators from getting access to information that's critical to that? That is a remaining concern, and there will be a broad range of topics that will be discussed, and the president's certainly not going to hold back on areas where he has concern.
3: Yep, but he did. He never brought it up again. And uh, it is so frustrating to see that he has a virtual summit with the man who poisoned the world, who, did, who denied it and denied access to it, doesn't allow investigation to go forward, and it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, meanwhile, they keep saying that China is a competitor, they're not an enemy. Can we please get over that? They are an enemy. Tom DiNano knows uh, something similar, knows about the challenges of China. He's an adjunct fellow at the Hudson Institute, a staff member of the House uh, Permanent uh, Select Committee on the Intelligence and Assistant Secretary of State of Arms Control. Uh, Tom, welcome to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Brian, thanks for having me.
10: Um, It looks like um, you said it all. I mean, President Biden made it very clear that he said he would not rest until we get answers um, regarding the origins of COVID-19. We've now had two summits, and the Biden administration has chosen to punt. Uh, This sends a very clear message to China. They're very sophisticated. They know full well this conveys weakness. The administration is feckless. We need to ask these questions. The American people and the rest of the world deserve answers.
3: Tom, you were you were told in you wrote in September that you were told when you said looking into the uh, the origins of this virus when Trump was administration was in power they told you not to. It'll open up a whole can of worms. Who told you not to? And what were they worried about?
10: Yeah, Brian. Again, this is a great question. Uh, when I was working for Secretary Pompeo, uh, we had uh, he had. Uh, encouraged us uh, in the bureau that I was working in the State Department uh, to look closely at whether or not China was in compliance with their international obligations. And wow, did we stir up a can of worms, a hornet's nest. Uh, we got tremendous amount of pushback from people inside our own uh, agency, other federal agencies, the intelligence community. Uh, what they did was close ranks and Uh, wanted to shut down any questions that we asked, um, again, this is coming from the the Secretary of State and from fairly high political levels, to do our job to try to protect the American people and to hold China accountable. And that's exactly right. We were told to stand down, don't go there, don't look at this.
3: Um, Unfortunately, it looks like the Biden administration has taken that advice. Listen, you guys were moving towards a trade deal. You had phase one the pandemic hit. Everything stopped. Do you look at China, especially look what they did in Hong Kong, what they're threatening to do in Taiwan, as a competitor or an enemy? They're clearly an adversary. Um, th-
10: this doesn't mean war is imminent. But, look, I don't recall a, a vibrant and robust partnership with the Russians in the 80s. Uh, it was a It was a total effort by the United States government to confront the USSR. In the same way, we need all of government effort. China's an adversary. And what we've learned uh, through this pandemic is they never play by the rules. Um, I'm just not sure this president understands that.
3: Well, I mean, I don't know what he's doing. He speaks to Mexico. The border doesn't come up. He speaks to China. This doesn't come up. So it makes you wonder. They're not going to invade Taiwan before the Olympics. But it makes you wonder, should we even go? Ted Cruz had this suggestion, cut 40.
0: I think it's a mistake to have a full boycott of the Olympics. You know, Jimmy Carter tried that in the 1970s. All it did was punish a generation of athletes. We've got young men and young women, Americans, who spent their whole lives practicing for this moment. I don't want to punish those young athletes. What we ought to do, I I do agree with the notion of a so-called diplomatic boycott. But I also think it's important we do two things at the Olympics in China. Number one, that we actually show the courage the Women's Tennis Association is showing Mm -hmm. to call out the murder, the genocide, the torture, the lies, the complicity in COVID-19 of the Chinese communist government to speak the truth. And then number two, I really hope our young men and women that they go over there and kick their commie asses. We need to win in the Olympics.
3: Well, I mean, number one, would a diplomatic boycott send a message? And number two, do you agree with Ted Cruz? Because I kind of do because I just think from a pure athlete perspective, they boycott us, we boycott them. Russia boycotts us, we boycott them. The games could be over.
10: Yeah, look, uh, I think Senator Cruz makes a great point. I have to tell you, Brian, I'm not sure what a diplomatic boycott means. It's not an Olympic sport. Um, but, I, but I can tell you is that uh, we need to use our diplomatic levers. The world expects the United States to lead. And when the United States is silent, this is at the United Nations, at the WHO, at various international fora. If we're going to be a part of these organizations, it's a, we need to use that bully pulpit. If the United States is silent, the world is silent.
3: I hear you. Uh, and the thing is, they don't seem to have the backbone to push back against China because it's money. And the thing is, we have a lot of major financial firms who are tied into China. And seem more apt to making profits than they are for patriotism. How do we listen? I'm a, I'm a capitalist in every sense of the word. Free market. Go ahead. But when it comes to our national interest, why is BlackRock and uh, all these other major firms, J.P. Morgan Chase, knee deep in that country, financing a lot of these programs? I mean, do you? I, I'm all for free market. And I know conservatives that do that. Uh, that's in their that's in their makeup and DNA. But at some point, should America come first? Uh, Brian, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Look, it's time
10: for the American people to stand up and say no more to China, no more to outsourcing jobs, no more to outsourcing our supply chain, no more to genocide in the western province uh, of China against the Uyghurs, no more deadly research partnerships. I mean, this research is the most dangerous research in the world. This gain-of-function research, this manipulating viruses, uh, um, we just need to stand up and say, no, I think the American people want this. But you make great points. Uh, Wall Street and obviously this administration uh, don't seem to want to step up and, and, and say uh, no more, no more.
3: So what do you think is the can of worms that Americans were supplying a lot of the grants that allowed this Wuhan lab to do this dangerous funding? Do you believe uh, were you ever sold on the sanctity and sainthood of Anthony Fauci? Uh,
10: look, yes, I, I think in a nutshell, uh, I think you're right. I think we, we have stumbled upon the can of worms. Uh, but look, there are, there are several cover-ups going on here. We know the Chinese cover-up, but the more we dig, the more we ask. It looks like the NIH and Francis Collins NIH... Um, at best did not prevent a pandemic with this dangerous research and at worst may have contributed to it. I think um, we need an investigation. It needs to come from the Congress. Congress is controlled by Democrats, uh, specifically the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, Frank Pallone, needs to have hearings. Rand Paul has been an incredible leader on this. Senator Marshall has been a great leader on this. But we're in the majority. We're in the minority, Brian. Uh, Congress, uh, the Democrats control hearings. And uh, from what I hear, even inside the Democrat ranks, they understand that we as a country need to come together, put our partisan differences aside on this one. We need to be in lockstep uh, and right. th- we really need to have hearings to understand what the NIH was and wasn't doing.
3: Uh, that would be great. And the other thing is, and tell me if I'm right here, I seem to remember that Chuck Schumer was happy that Trump was taking on China. You know, used to, Democrats used to want to take on China. Uh, I know you, as former Assistant Secretary of Arms, uh, uh, working under Mike Pompeo, you know where these parties changed. We know where they stood on the border. Did, did, am I remembering wrong, or did they change their stance on that country? Yeah, look, uh, I,
10: I, I think you're right. I mean, there's obviously robust differences, as we're seeing, between the Democrat and Republican Party. They're playing out right now and build back better in the role of our government. But in the partnership with China, this is where you have this this alliance of the Chinese Communist Party, the Democrat Party, the NIH, all want the same thing, and this is for this investigation to go away. And I think if people took a step back and said, uh, no, we really need to understand what happened, we need oversight of our bureaucracies, uh, Republicans or Democrats, this, this one really shouldn't matter, right? This is, a, this is a question to the United States, and the American people are dependent on our elected leaders and I'd employer employ my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. And there's a lot of them. They've just uh, they've been silenced. And uh, it's a very strange right. phenomenon, but we really need to have some hearings. Uh, they don't have to be splayed out in public, but they're important for us to get some answers.
3: All right. Uh, by the way, Tom, I just want to bring you to this. One of the most courageous athletes in Americans has to be a guy that's just about to become a naturalized citizen, Uh Turkish-born Enes Kanter, Center for the center for the Boston Celtics, whose playtime suffering, I think, because he's taken on LeBron James, Nike, and the NBA. Listen to what he said about China. He writes it on his shoes. He talks about it. He'll be joining us, I believe, on Wednesday to talk about it. Here's what he said. We must do everything we can to help free Hong Kong. We must support Hong Kongers
8: and their struggle for freedom. And to all Hong Kongers watching, please know that I stand with you you are not Chinese, you are not British, you are Hong Kongers. So please
3: stay strong, stay brave.
5: Hong Kong will be free.
3: So he also took on the Wiggers. he took on Nike, he took it on the Olympics. He, we know about this top tennis player that disappeared because she accused a uh, high-ranking official of, of uh, sexual assault. Uh, the WTA says they might pull out because of that. So I just think it's amazing to me that not one athlete has joined Cantor in condemning China and Nike and realized the power that they have. And they don't mind putting down America, but you can't get them to put down China because it hurts them in the wallet.
10: Yeah, look, Brian, I'm a huge Celtics fan. I love what Cantor's doing. Uh, Thank God for him. But let's remember, it's not his job. But I think what you're seeing here is people – Stepping into the leadership vacuum, into the silence that is the Biden administration, um, I think what's happening in the women, the Women's Tenants Association is standing forward and saying no. Um, uh, 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 in is cancer, stepping forward and saying no. So until we have leadership at the highest levels and not lip service, right. again this bizarre talking points from the podium and then hoping it doesn't come up again is no is no way. To run the government, it's no, it's no way to lead, and there's a huge leadership vacuum. Uh, they're brave for doing it. Um, I, I commend him for it, and um, keep it up. There's a lot of people rooting, uh, rooting for him, and rooting for the truth.
3: Gotcha. And lastly, uh, it looks like, and I've talked to two different officials, that it's uh, Russia's. A, it's a given. They're going to invade Ukraine, hundreds of uh, maybe a hundred thousand troops for uh, various angles and they're going to occupy a great portion of that country in January. What are we going to do about it?
10: Yeah, look, Brian, I spent a lot of time um, in that part of the world uh, during my time at the State Department, working very closely with our NATO allies, folks in the Baltics, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, the Polish, Romanians. Uh, They're extremely concerned. Uh, They should be. But, again, it gets back to – I think the message is clear from this administration, Uh, the message to Putin is clear, the message to Xi is clear. Uh, President Biden has conveyed weakness and and tyrants will take advantage of it. Um, I can only hope it doesn't happen. Um, It's a huge problem. Again, it starts at the top with leadership. Uh, Clearly Russia and China, uh, Iran, don't fear the Biden administration. Um, They feared the Trump administration.
3: They could not figure you guys out, and uh, they worked to our advantage. And lastly, you see what Iran's doing. They basically broke off nuclear talks, moving their program. You know Israel will not stand and let that program constitute. Uh, is our uh, ambivalence on this issue going to result in a war?
10: So, look, uh, we for years now, we've been talking about the non-proliferation of nuclear material, and Iran continues to proliferate. Uh, again, <clears throat> thank God. Uh, For The work that Secretary Pompeo took on, he was extremely uh, clear-eyed and Um, clear-minded. Our administration, the Trump administration, was extremely clear-minded. But again, when you convey weakness and fecklessness, uh, tyrants will step into that vacuum. That's exactly what happened. We're seeing it. Russia, China, Iran. And uh, uh, yeah, um, I think it's a big problem. Um, we need leadership. We can't have silence and fecklessness.
3: So would somebody put so much of their career, Tom Donato, into this, does it just kill you to watch all this melt away? The Abraham Accords not being capitalized on, China beginning to spread. Evidently, they're building a base in the UAE. Uh, we have a base in the UAE. How could we let an ally do that, So, alleged ally, uh, do that? We're watching them spread through South America. I mean, we're, we're not supporting the the, the, the the uprising in Cuba we're seeing this, 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 uh, the, wuss, the wussification of our foreign policy when it comes to China, uh, Russia, and everywhere else. They're seeing our border get crushed. Does this crush you personally? As if you're, the work that you did is we being wasted?
10: Uh, look, uh, me personally, it doesn't matter. But elections have consequences, right? And a year from now, Americans will have the opportunity to choose the Biden foreign policy. Or a new foreign policy, and we will slam the brakes. I can tell you, with majorities in the in the Congress, you will have investigations, you will have accountability. Um, but uh, we have to look. Uh, most foreign policy, as we know, is run by the executive branch. Uh, undoing uh, what the Trump administration had has done is uh, it seems immature. It seems. Uh, knee-jerk reaction. And look, in regards to Wuhan, I've advocated and others have advocated a return to the Obama policies. So there are some things that are not strictly partisan and to not do the opposite of your predecessor. And they seem hell-bent on doing exactly that. And it's reckless. It's dangerous. Um, And again, we're going to have a chance a year from now to put the brakes uh, on some of this, but right. uh, we won't we'll see a wholesale change till we can come back in power in 2024.
3: I hear you. Tom Donato, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, but the problem is when you have investigations, you don't have any progress. You have curtailing, got it. But I also want progress. We can't afford to sit there uh, and be an insular at this moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. No. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmead.
3: Welcome back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmead Show. Just finishing up this hour. I just like to thank everyone who came out. I'm coming to you from WDBO, beautiful Orlando Studios, but everyone who came out in Orlando with the Plaza Live last night, everyone came out to uh, in Alabama uh, to uh, Fairhope, Alabama, to see me uh, two nights ago. And then Pensacola, the, the groups that came out was just fantastic. For an afternoon signing was awesome. And then the villages. The villages was great. It's always great to see this community. They have so much uh, American spirit. And then also in Hollywood, California, where I had a chance to catch up Florida. with some uh, well, Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood, Florida. Definitely not California where I had a chance to catch up with so many big loyal Fox viewers, but more importantly, very patriotic viewers who love history. And over the last over two over one night before and after uh, to sign hundreds of books, so it's been fantastic. Uh, and I'm talking about the president and the freedom fighter. Many of you who I don't get to sign, and we have so many, uh, we have so many great signings still lined up. We have uh, Punta Vedra next December third, December fourth, Clearwater, then McLean, Virginia, right after that. Just go to BrianKilme.com. But if you can't get to these sites, if it's not near you, I set up something with my Barnes and Noble near my house. So you just write BrianKilme.com. tell me what you want to sign. How you want to sign it they'll contact you and we'll set up a personalized copy with the holidays coming all of the presents are going to be stuck in a boat uh, uh st- oh, in los angeles this will be the only gift you could actually give so uh that's about it i can hear is the music coming up the
11: music's coming up yeah you probably have like 15 seconds
3: right i guess We're uh, close it uh out. and allison i've been dragging her all the way through florida and we have not been able to get a tan
11: Sadly. Live
2: from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from Orlando, Florida. No coming to you from New York, but heard around the country, heard around the world, 1-866-408-7669. I'm on the road, going to be heading home today, be in New York on Tuesday, Hosting the five right after that, but signing the president and Freedom Fighter. Thanks to everyone. The book is now number three in the country for two straight weeks and really didn't dip from week to week. And it just goes to show you, I think people want context when it comes to race in America. And they don't want to hear what these activists are saying now, or these revisionists are saying about things like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, uh, that America is endemically racist. It makes no sense. I'm going to arm you with the true story. Fred Fights is going to be with us, too. After seeing the summits that he, we all witnessed with Canada, Mexico, as well as the virtual summit with the president of China, it is time for Joe Biden just to knock it off. He's absolutely terrible. He's terrible at the Green Summit. He fell asleep. We watch him at the G20. America's back. What does he accomplish? Gets back in the Paris climate deal so we can write billions of checks to developing countries, billions of dollars. And and he doesn't accomplish anything. But by not accomplishing anything, he's showing weakness. Let alone what he did in Afghanistan. Which brings me to the big three. Now
2: with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three.
4: Number three: President Biden just turned 79. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, pretty much everyone you know I've talked to doesn't think he will. President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately. He's going to run. He's going to run. Nobody
3: believes it. Well, we'll see uh, who else would be in there checking out. More and more Americans are jumping off the moderate Joe Biden bandwagon. as evidence mounts that he's just not up for the job. Remarkable. It seems as if the only thing our country seems to agree on is that Joe can't do this and should not run again. But if not him, who?
7: Number two.
5: The first thing that happened was last week, the unvaccinated were locked down. They could not leave their houses without good reason. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the creation of literally a two-tier society. Now, the whole country is locked down unless you've got a good reason to leave your house.
3: That is Farage, Nigel Farage telling us what's happening in Europe, even in Austria. They're separating people vaccinated, unvaccinated, segregating them, giving them restrictions. And now they're starting to lock down again in Austria, locking down an entire country. What is going to stop them from the leftist leaders from doing that again? I'll tell you.
1: Number one, the fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that?
3: Yeah, what are we to make of that? How about someone solely disassociated with reality and the facts of the Rittenhouse case? Tiffany Kors of MSNBC. I hesitate saying your name because she sees race in everything and it's really divisive to the country. Which is part of the reason why Michael Goodwin wrote about this story on Sunday in his column, New York Post columnist, as well as Fox News contributor. Michael, welcome back.
12: Good morning, Brian. Thank you.
3: So Alan Dershowitz said this is the most misreported trial in his he's ever seen done by the mass media outside Fox in his lifetime. If anyone watched that trial, they knew this was self-defense. If anyone's seen the video, they know it's self-defense. If anyone understands the case, they know the 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 one the three guys that were shot were all white and yet they feel free to call him a white supremacist and a white guy got away with murder and that America is endemically racist. How can you reconcile the two?
12: Well, you know, Brian, I have an old rule of thumb that uh, when uh, the media gets, gets it all wrong. In other words, when, when you, the viewer, are surprised by the verdict and shocked by the verdict that you didn't see it coming, that means the media misreported what was going on. And trial coverage for, for a media person is not easy because you're basically trying to guess what is the jury paying attention to. What do they care about? How are they hearing and seeing the testimony? It may be different from how you hear and see it. But so I've always taken the position that if if the media gets it wrong, if the jury verdict is surprising, then the media was wrong all along. And therefore, you have to call into question everything you learned about the trial from the media. And I think that's what Dershowitz is talking about here, that if you only consume the media and you didn't watch the trial, you would be Furious, surprised, shocked at the verdict. But if you watched the trial, if you watched even the key moments of the trial, you had to think, uh, and particularly as deliberations went on, that it, there would either be acquittal or there would be hung juries on some of the counts, because it was taking a fairly long amount of time. If it was an open and shut case of murder, you would have known that in you know an yeah. hour. So I just I just think that the media Brian is it, it is now consistently over and over showing us that it doesn't want to give the facts. It wants to give not only its opinion, but its desired outcome. Yeah. It wants to make you think a certain way because that's what it wants to happen. And it's almost as though if we say it often enough and loud enough, it will become true. And that's where the me- most of the media is today in America.
3: Yeah, meanwhile, Joe Biden immediately had the right tone and then he had to walk it back with the wrong tone, cut four.
9: You know, Do you stand by your past comment waiting him
1: to to white supremacy?
6: Well look, I stand by what the jury
13: has concluded. The jury system works and we have to abide by it.
3: OK, now the white supremacist comment, he should get sued by. I hope this guy sues him. I'm not a lawyer. I just wanted out front when he called him a white supremacist and went to want to go hang out with the Blake family. When this guy, the Blake family called the cops on him and because he was attacking his girlfriend or wife and then had a kid in the car and was about to run away. I don't know if it was the best policing to shoot him three times, but he walked through two tasers. So people don't want to bring that up. But he still had no problem calling him a white supremacist. Later walked back. Don't worry. Kamala Harris is here to save the day. Listen to this. Got five.
11: The verdict
1: really speaks for itself. As many of you know, I've spent a majority of my career working to make the criminal justice system more equitable. And clearly, there's a lot more work to
3: do. Really? She was working so hard making the jury, making the jury system more equitable. More work to do. While bailing out rioters two years ago, Right.
12: Well, look, uh, I I think that the Democrats, of course, they were consuming the Democratic media, and so the White House was also surprised, it seems. Uh, And look, I I think it is shameful for Kamala Harris to, to say that there's more work to do, that somehow this verdict points up failures in our society. I mean, that, you know... They went crazy when Trump said or did things like that. But when they do it, oh, you know, it's serious. It's really, it's so. And I think that's what's, I don't understand the media. You know, Brian, if 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 I were working for a leftist news organization, I would not want to comfort my readers. I would want to challenge them. I would want them to, to, to hear things that they don't believe or necessarily understand and agree with. But if if you Times or the Washington Post from front to back, you will not get one discordant note. It'll all be the same thing. No matter even sports coverage is the same thing. That's that's what I don't understand. about. who goes into the media just to tell people what they want to hear? I I don't understand the whole business model anymore.
3: Yeah, either do I. By the way, they've named somebody in this. uh... Uh, Wisconsin parade uh, when this guy just decided to uh, take his car and plow through a Christmas parade, killing five people, injuring dozens. It turns out uh, he has an extensive arrest record, was just let out of prison, a career criminal. Um, And we're just learning his name uh, right now. It is... 39-year-old Daryl uh, Brooks from Wisconsin. He's being questioned. I don't think there's any doubt that he did it. Brooks has an extensive criminal background, uh, according to sources, dating back more than a decade. But, of course, he is out of prison now. And, again, uh, able to act, and he looks uh, looks like a person of color. I'm not sure what his heritage is, but uh, clearly he's deranged and never should have been let out.
12: Well, uh, and I think obviously the the motive will be uh, the top of everyone's interest. I mean, particularly, is it related to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Uh, Is it in some way an expression of uh, the anger that's been coming from MSNBC and CNN I mean, if he is reacting to their calling uh, Rittenhouse a white supremacist, a murderer, uh, then I think uh, then they have some explaining to do.
3: Evidently, he left his ID in his car, so they knew exactly who it was. And a eyewitness account said it was him. And in the past, his uh, according to this report. uh, he, this guy who uh, was re- recently released on bond rapped about "F Donald Trump, F pigs." Lived in Milwaukee, launched an attack on conservative Wakasha, Wakusha, Wakesha. So again, more problems in uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see where that stands. To uh, hold the funding, the police not a really good idea. Whole letting emptying your prisons not a good combination. It's amazing what what some people are doing to destroy America.
12: Well, and, and the media is all for it, right? I mean, that's the shocking thing, that they are, again, it goes back you know, to the, to the incident that Kyle Rittenhouse took his gun to uh, the streets, that the media was cheering on and making excuses for the riots. They were encouraging it. They were saying they were mostly peaceful when they were burning and looting whole swaths of towns and cities. Uh, There were a number of deaths associated with those riots, and the media not only covered it up, and so when it it attacks Kyle Rittenhouse, when it proclaims him guilty before a trial and after a jury acquits him and still calls him guilty, they are part and parcel of this divisive problem that is shaking this country to its core.
3: Yeah, lastly, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse sat down with Tucker Sunday. They released a couple of clips. Here's one of them. It'll air tonight. Cut seven.
7: This case has nothing to do with race. Um, It never had anything to do with race. It had to do with the right to self-defense. Right. Um, I'm not a racist person. I support the BLM movement. I support peacefully demonstrating. And I believe there needs to be change. I believe there's a lot of prosecutorial misconduct, not just in my case, but in other cases. And it's just amazing to see how... How much a prosecutor can take advantage of somebody?
3: Your take on that, and what do you think? What would if he's a, if, he, if he's your kid, and he's 18 years old, and did what he just did and got off? What would you like him to do next? Would you like him to fade away, go reclaim his life, or do you think he should use this moment uh, to sue everybody and remain front and center?
12: Well, you know, Brian, if he were my child, and as you say, at the tender age of 18, he's been through a lot, he's seen a lot, he's done a lot. I mean, there has to be some trauma associated with his life, having taken two lives at such an early age. Um, I, I, I have to believe that if he were my child, I'd want to time out from the public arena. I'd want him to probably get some therapy, some emotional help. Uh, just It doesn't have to be a year or two years. It can be as, as few as three or six months. But I think he needs some time out of the limelight to, to kind of reorient his life and figure out what he wants to do next. Uh, is he going to go to college? Is he gonna, does he have a job in mind that he wants to pursue, some career, some business? So, uh, but at the same token, uh, I think he should hire good lawyers, and I think he should sue. I think he was defamed. I think it was intentional, malicious, and repeated, and I, I think uh, he can do those two things at once. That would be my
3: mm-hmm.
12: my guidance if if he were my child.
3: All right, Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, this is the number one story now. Soon we'll find out the motivation of this uh, this killer on Sunday at that parade. So more stories are moving through. It's a shame that you can't get on the same page. Everything has to be race these days, whether it's chasing a comedian uh, uh, and putting him into the cancel culture corner or whether it's something like this, which has no race involved. But, of course, people have to see it. I guess they're making money off it. No one's watching those other channels. So I don't know who's making money. Uh, Michael, thanks so much.
12: My pleasure, Brian. Thank
3: you. All right, when we when we come back, one 408 I'll try to weave in some calls at the bottom of the hour. Welcome in Fred Flights, who sees the damage the president's doing to our own foreign policy and our own profile when he has meetings with our adversaries and some of our competitors and neighbors and never brings up major issues. Stop the summit, Joe.
2: Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with
7: Brian Kilmeade. It wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Wisconsin. It was the right to self-defense on trial. And if I was convicted, no one would be able, no one would ever be privileged to defend their life against attackers.
3: Uh, That is another clip, the latest clip of Kyle Rittenhouse, who's going to be on with Tucker tonight who sat down with Tucker yesterday, and the clips came out right away. Evidently, I did not know this. Fox Nation was doing a documentary the whole time. And the lawyer was kind of unhappy about it. The lawyer, Mark Richards, says, I'm not a Fox guy. I'm a CNN guy. And I ask you this. How could you, Mark Richards, who did a great job? I mean, from what I saw, him and his partner, how could you be – a CNN fan, he says, "I'm a CNN fan." Did you see the way they covered the trial? Do you see the way they handled your client? How could you not? You could say, "In the past, I've been there," but then he called up Chris Cuomo and he talked about the case. I did not see how Cuomo handled it. Not many other people did. Cut nine.
2: I did not approve of that. I threw him out of their room several times. They were, and I'm not suggesting that Fox or some other network. I don't think a film crew is appropriate um for something like this but the people who were raising the money to pay for the experts and to pay for the attorneys um we trying to raise money and that was part of it um so i think i don't want to say an evil but a definite distraction was part of it um and i didn't approve of it but i'm not always the boss
3: so, yeah, he didn't approve of it, but it was done. They did have to raise money, remember? Uh, so you had a situation where nobody wanted to take the case, so I give these guys credit for doing it. He's being honest and saying he's a CNN guy, not a Fox guy. But if you see the way the coverage took place, if you see what happened, nobody was cheering on Kyle Rittenhouse, the, who shot two people in self-defense. I don't really know anybody who said that was a good move for him to go to Kenosha. His mom said it was a huge mistake. And I imagine Kyle, he says Kyle feels the same way. We'll find out tonight. But having said that, once he was there, he was, his, his, his reasons were appropriate. They, they played out when they did the research and they did the testimony. He was there to protect. He wasn't there to hurt. Who else was protecting? Others were trying to destroy. And this was a mixed-race neighborhood. It wasn't a white neighborhood. So people are destroying minority-owned businesses. Congratulations. What point are you trying to prove? Listen, when we come back, I'm going to talk to Fred Flights about the damaged president, the damaged presidency of Joe Biden and what he's doing to us internationally. Brian Kilmeade Cho on the road in WDBO in Orlando. Don't move.
2: you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: Does he plan to bring up the COVID-19 origins with President Xi, given he has said that China has been blocking investigators from getting access to information that's
1: critical to that? That is a remaining concern, and there will be a broad range of topics that will be discussed, and the president's certainly not going to hold back on areas where he has concern.
3: Right. Uh, But he didn't bring it up. And that is a major concern that he didn't. And it's a major concern of every American. Can we at least find out what poisoned the world? We know it came from there. They accused us of doing it. Isn't that enough reason? Or as we heard earlier in the show. When in speaking with our previous guest Tom Donano, he was told in September. He told uh, Variety in September they were told when you started looking into it when he was working for Mike Pompeo at the State Department. They say don't bother; it'll open up a whole can of worms. Fred Flights was also there. He joins us now. Uh, Fred is uh, always great to talk to you, Fred. You said that you're really uh, you're upset about what didn't wasn't mentioned in this summit and the summit with Mexico as well as Canada.
14: Hey, Brian, good to be here. Look, the White House knows something is wrong with President Biden. That's why he almost never gives press conferences. He doesn't take questions. But nobody's thinking about the implications of our president spending many hours with leaders of uh, hostile states demonstrating his lack of mental acuity and doing these joint Uh, press events with Putin and Xi where they look great and and he looks like he's asleep and daughter. I mean, we got to consider, Brian, that our enemies are looking at this and they may see an unparalleled historical opportunity to do things they would never do otherwise such as Russia invading Ukraine, which we're now talking about, and what is going on with these provocations against Taiwan, is China deciding that this is the time, because America has never had a weaker commander-in-chief.
3: And by, the, by not bringing it up, uh, these major issues, it makes us look timid as a country. The way we left Afghanistan has met, let the rest of the world think and our enemies know this is the time to attack. And you think by putting them out there, compromised and by his staff putting him out there compromised we look even weaker and more vulnerable but we're stuck with this for another three years that's right but it's a combination of
14: issues even if biden was mentally competent his policies are terrible i mean i think his withdrawal of afghanistan was basically his ineptitude uh, but the fact is that this administration thinks climate change is the most important security threat facing us, not nuclear weapons, not China, not Russia. And and when our officials say this, when we send John Kerry to, to Glasgow and he's told that uh, human rights are out of his lane, Chinese human rights violations, all he wants to talk about is climate change, these other leaders, they're laughing at us. The, the China and Russia don't regard climate change as a serious issue. If we want to waste our time on that – they're, they're perfectly
3: happy to let us. Absolutely, Fred. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating. First off, uh, I have never seen a time in which we seem to be uh, just backwards. For example, the Abraham Accords, which was achieved under the, uh, by the Trump administration, that the people decided we'd rather recognize Israel than deal with Iran. But now we're dealing in Iran, and therefore Israel is going to be forced to act because we're not doing anything. They've already killed a nuclear scientist over the last 20 months. We know they blew up part of their program once. I mean, now they're moving forward with their nuclear weapons program. Are we looking at a war in the Middle East because we're not paying attention or because we want to acquiesce to Iran?
14: It's much more dangerous than people think. Iran is now enriching uranium to 60 percent, uranium two hundred and thirty-five, which is 99 percent of the way towards making nuclear weapons fuel. And how is and, and there's. Documented cheating—we know that the Israelis have proved it. How is the Biden administration responding? Well, we heard last week that Jake Sullivan said they're thinking of an interim nuclear deal, which will let Iran maintain all the cheating that it has achieved so far, and will give it sanctions relief. Well, that's re- that—that's rewarding blackmail, Brian. I, I was just amazed when I heard that.
3: You may—I mean, I can't believe it comes out of Jake Sullivan. Also, Jake Sullivan's role in the whole Russia hoax. Is something that's got to be exposed he could be the first domino to fall if the american public would finally put the heat on him because we're a voice in the wilderness here but is this basically the obama policies or is it worse fred flights i think
14: it's the obama policy because the nuclear deal with iran basically let it lock in its nuclear program with a very weak deal and paid them off and jake sullivan who who is key in negotiating it seems like he wants another Obama nuclear deal. But the situation with, with Iran is much more dangerous now. It, it makes it so much uh, more irresponsible. I think there will be senior members of Congress, senior Democrats, who are going to be speaking out against giving Iran a new nuclear deal, given the massive cheating it's engaged in right now.
3: So I hear that there are going to be a major invasion of Ukraine with over 100,000 Russian troops in January. Uh, knowing the weather is going to be tough in January, knowing that there will be ramifications as they did it, do you think that's going to happen? I think there's a good chance
14: that it will happen. I don't think those troops have massed on the Russian-Ukraine border for no reason. And it really worries me that that Putin and G see a window of opportunity, a, a moment of American weakness when they can engage in adventurism that they would never try to get away with under a strong president. This would never happen under President Trump. Trump would put the the Russians in their place.
3: But you say the post-summit press conference, when Biden insisted on appearing alone, and he was rambling and he looked confused at the end, and of course angry, yelling at a reporter he later would apologize to, uh, they studied that carefully. And what probably took place behind closed doors maybe made them believe this is the time to strike.
14: Well, this was the uh, this was the press conference that Biden gave in Geneva after he met in a summit with Putin. He didn't want to appear to be on the same stage with Putin. That actually was a good move, Brian, because it would have made it look worse. But uh, it was terrible. It was rambling. Uh, he he said, "Well, I I gave the Russians a list of targets they can't hit with cyber attacks." Brian, nothing in the U.S. should be allowed. you should be allowed to attack with cyber attacks. But then when Putin gave his presentation, he just mocked. Biden And said he didn't agree with anything Biden said. But I think you're right. The Russians study very carefully what Biden said in public and probably hours of rambling behind the scenes with Putin. And I think they're acting accordingly.
3: All right. So what do you hear is happening uh, that I want you to hear what Russell, Russ, uh, uh Rachel Bade of Politico said that she is hearing about what's next. This is uh, cut thirty three.
4: The reality is, look, uh, President Biden just turned seventy-nine. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, pretty much everyone, you know, I've talked to, doesn't think he will. And so, even though you saw reports like the Washington Post over the weekend had a story about how President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately, he's going to run. He's going to run. Nobody believes it.
3: What you? What are you hearing?
14: I, you know, he clearly can't run again. I don't think he gets get the nomination. The Democratic Party knows that he's done. This is just to try to uh, uh, claw back some of Biden's credibility for the rest of, of, of his administration. What I think needs to be done now is Biden needs to surround himself with competent advisors, get rid of Jake Sullivan, get rid of Anthony Blinken. Uh, I wish he could get rid of the vice president. Bring in some men and women with gravitas, maybe Senator Chris Coons. Make Bill Burns the CIA director. Make him the secretary of state or national security advisor. Get smart, competent people next to Biden as soon as possible.
3: See, the, see you're talking like I'm talking. It's, it's not a matter of Democrat or Republican. It's about the country. And, and it's, it's not a matter of seeing him fail. I want to see him be successful. I, uh, but it's just not – I mean, he's, it's been an epic fail. I mean, he's got, for some reason, he's got eight, they say 4% of the country thinks we're heading in the right direction. 4%. He's got 44% approval in the same poll, which I can't believe how high that is. But in the Q poll that pummels Republicans, he's got 38% approval rating. He, on the border, 27% approval rating. What he's doing in Afghanistan, 28% approval rating. So this has been, you can't try hard enough to fail to do better than this.
14: And it's going to get worse, unfortunately. I'm afraid that he's losing his mental acuity. It's going to get worse over the next couple of years. If he has to meet with foreign leaders, he should go with a delegation of, of very smart senior officials. And there shouldn't be press conferences by Biden afterwards. He should send out Jen Psaki or someone else to speak. And if he has to speak with – world leaders one-on-one it should be in a phone call and we shouldn't release a transcript
3: i hear you uh fred on the republican side do you expect trump to run
14: well i'm a big fan of president trump he told me recently that if he's back he wants me to return to his administration so maybe that's all i'm going to say
3: okay well you said a lot that says a lot uh thanks so much fred flight it's always good to talk to you and we can get your column on foxnews.com right
14: uh, it's in uh, American Greatness.
3: Oh, American Greatness. Thank you. Uh, okay. It would be great if you were on FoxNews.com. Thanks, Fred. Uh, I'll have
14: one up soon. All
3: 408 1-866-408-7669. Uh, so there you have it. We're compromised on the national stage. It's real international stage. And I mean this. If Joe Biden was chairman of Foreign Relations and if it's some of his policies uh, I didn't agree with, I'm fine with that. But all of his policies I don't agree with. All I see is weakness and acquiescence. The only people he's tough with are reporters and Republicans. And Donald Trump. Back in a moment.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions,
8: hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome to the modern Republican Party. This is what these people want, and this is what a majority of white people vote for. Right When I say that a majority of white people are in favor of this kind of violence, it is because a majority of white people consistently vote Republican.
3: Oh my goodness, what is with this guy? Uh, that is some of the crap that was spewed out over the weekend, devoid of any facts with this case of self-defense, devoid of what was going on in Kenosha two years ago, what's going on now and how the trial took place. People are saying white people want to shoot everybody because they're going to take the law into their own hands. That was Ellie Mustel on MSNBC. Of course, him coming with that scientific conclusion that white people like shooting people. That is just fantastic. Fantastic. Here's more from that ridiculous channel, Cut 21, Paul Butler.
4: I think it's important to understand, and that's why I wrote the piece in today's Washington Post, that Mr. Rittenhouse won his case because he had the best defense that money can buy. His $2 million legal defense fund enabled him to retain O.J. Simpson's lawyer. And so now, in the eyes of the law, Mr. Rittenhouse is just as innocent of homicide as O.J. Simpson. And so I think it's important to uh, to realize that his money, as much as any other factor, is why Mr. Rittenhouse walked.
3: Okay. Does he understand that the prosecution witness ended up testifying on behalf of Rittenhouse? Does he understand that Rittenhouse, at 17, 18 years old, took the stand for hours and defended himself, not a lawyer, himself? Does he understand that two-thirds of the media and the public was against him to begin with? Incredible. So, I mean, that's, that's why people take to the streets. They look at that stuff and they say, well, uh, there was no justice here. He's white. He got off. He had money. He got off. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to
2: Know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD.
3: So these mandates are going out today. I think the government uh, deadline is today for TSA to get vaccinated or lose your job unless you have a medical exemption, which is hard to figure. No one's ruling on it. But Walt Disney is backing off. It seems that Disney has put a pause on the COVID vaccine mandate. This, according to my favorite website, GoofyVaccine.com, it confirmed that the internal memo was sent out to employees, notified them of the pause. According to the website, he's been cast, uh, he's been a cast member at Disney World for the last 16 years. So what do we believe this? Disney says 90% of their cast members have verified fully vaccinated stats or the cards, those who weren't are required to wear face masks. That's called a policy. Disney World's vaccine pause comes after Governor DeSantis signed new legislation this week protecting workers from vaccine mandates. Confusing, but the guess who loses? The customer and people, 10 percent, will lose their jobs. No,
11: it's true. But also in the memo it says we all want to go back to a sense of normalcy. We all hope the vaccine would do the trick. And it seemed like it was starting to work. But people are getting the COVID. So to separate them doesn't make sense.
3: Right. So uh, deaths are down 9 percent. Cases are up 15 percent. Uh, they're just still under 100,000. Europe's getting walloped. we got to live with this, not run from this. Next. If you see this video, it's really ugly. LeBron James ejected from the game after elbowing Pistons' Isaiah Stewart, this big guy in the face, and he leaving him severely cut. And the blood was pouring down, and this guy lost his mind. A 20-man brawl broke out. You really need to see it on video, but let's listen.
14: Uh-oh. Stewart and
3: LeBron. Stewart is hot. And everybody's coming out now.
14: Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something. But, oh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes Stewart. <laughs> he was along the free
10: throw line on the free throw. And he's still <laughs> trying to get loose. <laughs> uh,
3: he's out of the game without question. or you could look at the face and the blood pouring down the face of Isaiah Stewart. So the thing is, the guy was a bloody mess. And the more he saw his blood, the crazier he went. And this guy is huge, uh, so they had to be held back by about ten coaches. He made believe he was walking to the locker room, ran back again. So he's going to be suspended for a long period of time. But LeBron James gets away with murder. They tossed him out of this game, but it actually ignited the Lakers, and they went ahead and won. The Lakers have been terrible this year. Uh, they had to scramble to beat the Pistons, uh, so uh, they played back to back. Now the Pistons, uh, Tuesday night, um, respect to. Well, let me see. A league spokesman told Daily Mail that a ruling on the matter will be completed before the Lakers' Pistons play their respective games on Tuesday night. Do you think
11: I, LeBron did it on purpose?
3: No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, he's not known as a dirty player, but they wanted to tear— this guy wanted to tear his head off. And people are done with him. They're, they're As he goes, the whole league goes. But you see Enos Kanter taking him on. He says, I'm not going to address him and give him power. Next, great news. Tiger Woods shares an update on his recovery. I saw his nice chip shot golfing legend is coming back after his latest devastating injury uh, posted a three-second video on twitter on sunday showing him taking a swing with a basket of balls making progress woods tweeted out remember uh, he wanted to come back and try to beat jack nicholas's record then he fell asleep at the wheel or passed out uh, and almost died next Condoleezza rice will be on the monday night football broadcast of the mannings with peyton and eli He'll be watching the game together with the best, most innovative basic show in the history of television, sports television. When the Giants play the Bucks, going to be a great game. Brady'll be playing against Eli Manning's former team, and Condoleezza Rice joining. Remember, she was going to join. She was going to join uh, the uh, the league at some point. She's got a big background. that was a football
11: coach. No, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I'm not a football watcher, but I will feel Will you like watch that? I, tonight, if I'm still awake at 10 o'clock tonight, yes, I will watch it.
3: ESPN 2. Uh, next. Looking in the mirror more often causes overweight people to engage in healthy activities. Good job. Researchers at the Texas Women's University say looking in the mirror does just that. This study suggests that sinking feeling of seeing love handles and other unflattering <laughs> bulges motivates people to change their eating-exercising habits. That's pretty cool. Self-assessment and reflection are key to overall well-being. Are, that also could hurt self-esteem because people feel hopeless,
11: helpless, right? I'm surprised at this study, but I'm heartened by it. Well they might feel helpless, but make like, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat that extra donut. I don't like that love handle, right?
3: Well that's what they're saying, but it's usually plural, because you can't just get one handle. I (laughs) think you get two handles. You You got either zero or you got two.
11: No asymmetrical love handles. Yes, if
3: you're a doctor and think it's possible to have just one handle, (laughs) let me know. Brian Kilmeade Show on the road in beautiful Orlando.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 7669 We have a big hour coming your way. Coming to you from Orlando, the beautiful WDBO Studios in Orlando. Had a big event last night, Plaza Live. Have another one in uh, Ponte Vedra on December 3rd and 4th. It's going to be the President Freedom Fighter Tour. Have a chance to talk about all my history books to give some context to what's happening in the news right now and, and, and why CRT is so dangerous, but with knowledge, not just uh, with emotion. And the bottom of the hour will be joined by Brett Baer. He's making a lot of news today, and Alan Dershowitz is able to put in perspective this um, this Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, which anyone who watched the case and I'm don't pretend to be a lawyer, you could tell this guy was about to be exonerated, barring any pressure that the jury might have felt because of the protesters uh, that might have been outside. And yet, what the other networks did, the way they covered it was absolutely obscene. So let's get to the big three, then we'll get to Mr. Dershowitz.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
4: President Biden just turned 79. There's a lot of questions among Democrats about whether he will have the stamina to run. Uh, Pretty much everyone, you know, I've talked to doesn't think he will. President Biden and his top advisors are trying to reassure everyone privately he's going to run. He's going to run. Nobody believes it.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a I wouldn't say no one believes it, but not many uh, checking out more and more Americans are jumping off the moderate Joe Biden bandwagon as evidence mounts that he's not up for the job. As more and more people around the country begin to agree, Republicans, independents and Democrats, that it's time to turn the page. But to whom?
0: Number two, the
5: first thing that happened was last week, the unvaccinated were locked down. They could not leave their houses without good reason. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the creation of literally a two-tier society. Now, the whole country is locked down unless you've got a good reason to leave your house.
3: That is now for, uh, Nigel Farage. What's happening in Europe as this latest wave of the pandemic, of the COVID virus, continues to now to hit Europe, Austria locking down entirely. If the numbers creep up here and it continues... Is that going to happen here again? I say no way.
1: Number one. The fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that?
3: Yeah, what are we to make of that? Uh, What is she talking about? Tiffany Cross of MSNBC. Britain House speaks and leftist fumes as the 18-year-old is found innocent And now Dems do what they do best, cry racism. Is that correct? Let's bring in Professor uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, who's got a brand new book out. And it's called The Case Against uh, New Censorship and Guilt by Association, Uh, The Challenge of Proving Innocence in the Age of Me Too. But his brand new uh, book is about the, uh, the case for vaccine mandates. Welcome back, Professor Dershowitz.
6: Hey, it's great to be on. Uh, There is a lot of racism, Uh, the racism of Charles Blow of The New York Times, of Don Lemon of CNN. Imagine if the shoe were on the other foot. Just imagine if there were a young black man who was attending a Black Lives demonstration and he was attacked by a skateboard and he desperately felt the need to use deadly force and he killed somebody and he went on the witness stand. Would Don Lemon talk about crocodile tears? Would Charles Blow write an article Uh, talk about how white men, white men this, white men that. It's all a white conspiracy. You know, there's a lot of racism going on. And uh, the racism, tragically, today is coming from the other side. I remember racism when it was terrible in the South and racism when it was white against black. And today, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of racism in the the other way. And and it's affecting jury verdicts. It's affecting prosecutorial discretion. And, uh, you know, it's just ruining our criminal justice system. Thankfully, 12 jurors, Uh, in in Wisconsin saw through the threats and saw through
3: CNN's bigotry and uh, rendered the right verdict in the case. And and MSNBC. And I think, you know what struck me? How surprised you were. And I, I was surprised. But when Alan Dershowitz is surprised by it, uh, who's you know, who been doing this for years and seen high-profile, low-profile yeah. cases, you're doing these cases, you're training law students, and you were surprised by it. But just so you know, understand what the professor's talking about, here's, a, here's a, a, a swath of misinformation given out by yesterday, a lot of the Sunday shows. Cut 10.
13: Rittenhouse drove in from
0: Illinois armed for battle. He knew outrage already ran high.
3: What we know
8: now is that the jury bought the narrative of Kyle Rittenhouse being a victim.
1: The fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh,
8: laws. Welcome to the modern Republican Party. This is what these people want, and this is what a majority of white people vote for. It's a warning to every white suburbanite with a Black Lives Matter poster in their window. They, too, can be shot by a white 17-year-old with an AR-15 if he feels threatened by their desire to see America live up to its potential.
3: <laughs> is that what you were talking about? It's just... It's just remarkable.
6: It's amazing Uh, what CNN ought to do if it were a decent network. And it's not, you know, it doctors, tapes, it fakes information. I'm suing it now because a doctor to tape. Of my argument in front of the United States Senate on behalf of President Bush, but um, uh, President Trump, what what um, CNN ought to do is it ought to hold accountable every single one of its commentators who made a factual mistake, who said he carried an A15 gun across state lines illegally. He didn't. Obviously, it was legal, and he was the gun was there, uh, and called him a white supremacist. There's no evidence of that. Make them sit and watch what they said and then let them either justify it, which they couldn't do, or apologize. The problem is CNN never holds people accountable. For example, uh, uh, Jeffrey Toobin gets it wrong almost all the time legally, almost all the time. Why? Because he doesn't give legal analysis. He gives his legal opinions, and he allows his opinions of what should happen to tell the public what will happen. So he's been wrong, wrong, wrong. Never once have they shown him being wrong after it was proved he was wrong and that's been true of so many other people so many legal commentators particularly who just always get it wrong why do i always get it right and i always get it right because i never allow my own personal views to interfere in my uh, legal predictions i predict what i believe the courts will do not what they should do and i
3: get it right And those guys get it wrong all the time. And here's the thing: if it was just right and wrong, that's good for court TV in the '80s. But there's so much danger when I'm watching these protests. If you like, if you're not a law student and you just like MSNBC or CNN, well, watch Face the Nation this week. That first cut was from Mark Strassman of CBS, and you think that this court, this judge, this all-white jury just ruled in front of a, a white defendant, and that's it? And they're angry, and they were going, they're going to go wreck stuff and smash windows and uh, cause havoc and put on their black outfits. And if they are legitimately exercised by this, that is, that is just sacrificing all credibility, and we're paying the price for it because we have to walk these streets.
6: Yeah, well, yesterday in Brooklyn, where I was born, literally just blocks away from where I lived, there was a demonstration against the verdict in the case. That's fine. But who do you think was in front of the demonstration? People carrying Palestinian flags and yelling, Intifada, Intifada, Intifada. It's as if the Jews caused this problem. Every time there's a problem in the world, these Blame it on Israel, blame it on the Jews. It doesn't matter what happens. They have a narrative, and their narrative is there's Rittenhouse, and there's this guy, and there's there's Palestine, and there's Cuba, and there's China. It has all to do together. It's called intersectionality, and you can't be somebody who supports justice unless you also support particular outcomes and cases, and unless you support condemning Israel, and unless you support condemning the United States. It's part of a large narrative, and they won't allow facts to intrude into the narrative.
3: I know like, there's a lot of stuff that you disagree with President Trump on, but one thing I think you liked was the Abraham Accords, and we're not I even
6: work on those, and 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 uh, you know, and it's one of the most. I, I nominated the people who worked on it with me for the Nobel Peace Prize. That's how important it was,
3: and you yeah. got to give them credit for that. I, but, you know, but, that but, but there's I'm been nothing done on it. That, and by reengaging yeah. with Iran, begging them to get back into a bad nuclear deal, and now allowing them to enrich uranium, now the, Iran- yeah. the Israel is going to have to take things into their own hands again, like they always do. By, by us siding with Iran tacitly, are we fomenting a war? I hope not. I hope that there's behind the scenes diplomacy.
6: Uh, The Secretary of of State, Tony Blinken, is a very decent guy. I've known him. I knew his stepfather for years and years and years. And um, I don't think he's going to allow that to happen. There are pressures to do that. Look, there are pressures. Uh, to to basically go back to the Iran deal. First of all, Iran won't do it at this point because they have been um, themselves enriching uranium in violation of the deal. Remember, they're still in the deal. We're not in the deal, but they're still in the deal with uh, European countries, and they're violating it um, every day. But the point, again, is Israel is Israel. You can have a view on that. Rittenhouse is Rittenhouse. Uh, Other cases – they're not together. They don't. They don't create a single narrative where you have to be on one side or the other. I mean, the people on Martha's Vineyard won't talk to me because they love my views on gay rights. They love my views on uh, women's choice, but they can't stand my views on Trump. So, you know, that's the way it works, and it's just not the way America is. America is not a country of extremists. It's a country of Moderates, moderate left people, moderate right people, you know moderates who support Fox, moderates who rather watch another channel, but it 's not a country of radicals and the, the the squad and others are trying to turn us into a country of radicals, trying to divide us along racial lines and it 's a tragedy.
3: Do you uh, wish Trump would run
6: again <laughs> i 'm not going to take any position on politics. I would like to see good liberal Democrat. Oh, look, I supported Joe Biden. I thought he was the right man for the job at the time. Uh, he is a moderate. He's a centrist. He's somebody who doesn't go, go to extremes. So look, my politics are my politics, but I don't let my politics interfere with my analysis of legal issues. Uh, legal issues are completely dif- different and separate.
3: Uh, you worry about our foreign policy right now as it relates to the Middle East, especially as China moves into the UAE, evidently?
6: yeah i'm very worried about China moving into Africa, China moving into the Middle East. China is moving in everywhere uh china's leadership uh has really taken a position that they are and can become the leading country in the world and their big competitors, the United States. look, competition is good as long as it's fair. but when you arrest uh, tennis players and when you commit genocide against the thousands and thousands of people who simply are of a different faith. That's not the kind of country that we want to see that's right. competing with us fairly. I'll
3: get you to comment on this. So the Taliban are these religious extremists. They're fundamentalists. But it shows you they stand for nothing and all these Islamic extremists because they're still doing deals with China, even though that they've basically put, uh, put in concentration camps uh, thousands, if, uh, thousands, tens of thousands of Muslims simply because they're Muslims harvesting their organs, putting them in labor camps, if they truly were Muslim fundamentalists who want to attack us because maybe a Koran was not put in the right place uh, in Gitmo, how could the same people be tolerant? Are we supposed to be the same people are tolerant of what China's doing?
6: Hey, hypocrisy is the coin of the realm these days, unfortunately. Nobody cares about that. You try to live a life of principle, and you're punished for it. I'm writing a new book called The Cost of Principle, and it's kind of a biographical account of what's happened to me because I'm a liberal Democrat who supports principled values when it comes to trial, when it comes to due process, when it comes to impeachment, because I'm on the wrong side of some political issues, how my family and I have been punished and uh, others uh, who take the same view have been punished. You can't be a principled person in this country today anymore if you expect to to have friends because friends will pick and choose based on what side you're on, what side you're on. You know, I'm a, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. And, you know, when it comes to the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees, I'm always on the Red Sox side. It doesn't mean I don't recognize that Jeter was a great player. I stood up and applauded whenever he came on the field. Yep. Uh, you know, you can take a nuanced view of things. You can understand that, <laughs> although I voted against Donald Trump, he did a very good job on the Middle East. And although I voted for uh, some other candidates, they did it. Ter- <laughs> Barack Obama did a terrible job on the Middle East and other areas. So nuance has been lost today in an age of extremism.
3: Well, thanks so much. Always appreciate you coming on, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Uh, I'll a see you soon. To be on with you, thanks. Bye. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. At the bottom of the hour, Brett Baer joins us. And next, it's going to be your phone calls. If I'm going to try to squeeze you in, I promise. Special thanks to everyone here at WDBO for opening up the doors, providing all the, uh, the shelter we need, and the microphones. Don't move.
2: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmead. best as three hours in radio you're
8: with brian kilmeade and i just look at his performance I, I brett i think what everybody in america has seen over the last 10 months is he's just simply not up to the job and his administration is not up to the job they ran based upon uniting the country, bringing greater competence to the White House in their view, and they failed miserably on both. And so I don't buy it. I think he's saying it because he knows that Republicans are gathering momentum. But I, quite frankly, don't know how Joe Biden running in 2024 would be the least bit intimidating Republicans.
3: Uh, that was uh, Governor Chris Christie going on every outlet, uh, talking a lot about Trump and a lot about what we're seeing now in politics. Does a great job. I thought on this week with George Stephanopoulos, I think they know it. Uh, I wish he, I wish he had come here to Fox, but uh, maybe he will if he does not run for president. Uh, let's uh, open up the phones. 1-866-408-7669. Sarah, you're in Illinois. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for letting me come on. No problem. Um, you know, you know, I, I hear you pretty regularly talking about how. Joe Biden is weak, and that he's not up to the job. And I just play that. I, I, you know, I was not a big fan when he was running for for office, but I've been very impressed. He he has been working so hard. He's on the go every day, morning to night. He is, uh, you know, you. You watch him when he's speaking. He he's not a great speaker. It's true that was never his forte. But he um, he is clear. He is honest, and he is forthright. Is and it, I've been very surprisingly happy really? with his presidency. And is I this just opposite day? I I
3: you know I appreciate you as a loyal listener, but I could not disagree more. I mean I don't think he's ever been a bad speaker, and the stutter thing hasn't been a factor since he was in the fifth grade. So that whole thing of him not being able to speak and communicate, that's new. Uh, And move the prompter in. Uh, He squints his way through every speech. Nothing comes natural. He never makes himself available. Nobody puts the lid on the White House quicker than Joe Biden. He goes away every weekend. He had to be pulled out of Camp David when Afghanistan fell apart. Then he raced right back. He's reactionary to every major issue, including now realizing that inflation isn't a Republican idea. It's an American institute. it's American, it's problematic all across this country. And now he's starting to speak about it. I appreciate you have a point of view. I just I have never heard that. I have never heard people have been surprised by how good Joe Biden is. I mean, then it's not even moderate. Joe Manchin's moderate. He's not moderate. But, again, I'm not here for everyone to agree with me. I think it makes a better show when you don't. When we come back, Brett Baer will be with me. I think he agrees that he likes history. His book is doing great, and so is Brett. He'll be with me in a moment.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
4: Typically, in a situation like this, the number two, the vice president, would be the one everybody sort of looks to to take the mantle. But there are a lot of concerns that Kamala Harris just doesn't have what it takes to win uh, nationwide. And so that's why you have people saying, "Okay, who's going to be the party leader? Right now, Republicans have a lot of momentum. There's a lot of fear in the Democratic Party about what happens, you know, when Biden steps aside, if he steps aside. And so this jockeying is going to continue and you'll continue to see the White House sort of bat it back. And people like Pete Buttigieg say, oh, nothing to see here, but there's a <laughs> lot to see there.
3: Rachel Beta of, the, of Politico talking about what the rumor is that Joe Biden's been so ridiculously out uh, out of his league when it comes to this presidency. His approval ratings have never recovered from Afghanistan. They shouldn't. He left hundreds, if not thousands of Americans behind and was told the word is in the White House, you're not even supposed to bring it up. And now when you see the cratering economy, you see him coming uh, slowly over to the fact that inflation is not transitory. Now he's going to speak tomorrow. You see the fact that almost in every level when it comes to the border on down to foreign policy, to not even bring up the major issues with our allies and adversaries when it comes to their summits. Twice last week, there's a growing sense that he is just not going to be around much longer at the age of 79 uh, as, as president. Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor for Fox News, Anchor Special Report, and author of the best-selling book, uh, To Rescue the Republic, Ulysses S. Grant, The Fragile Union, and the Crisis of 1876. Also, no, uh, more news, uh, Brett, your all-star panel is getting closer. It seems far away, but it's right here. Your all-star panel event in Naples, Florida, Benefit Children's National Hospital, February 19th. It's uh, back full, uh, full bore. The Calton Golf Resort in Naples. You can make a donation. You could buy a ticket. Among the people going to attend, Dana Perino, you have met our financial demands, along with Jesse Waters. He just wanted you to make sure he was featured. Uh, his name <laughs> was mentioned often. Harris Faulkner and Shannon Bream will all be there, correct? And me,
13: as well as you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's going to be uh, it's going to be our biggest one yet. And uh, yeah, we're after a year of um, being digital. Uh, we're going to be back at it, so it's a great Christmas gift uh, to get the tickets. Come down to the uh, Ritz-Carlton Tiburon and come see us. It'll be a fun night. For, okay, uh, great. Children's where National. do
3: you go? Where do you go for tickets if you want it?
13: dot com. Okay. So www.AllStarPanelEvent.com, and you can see it all on there. Um, I think the VIP tickets are starting to go. Uh, there's general admission, um, but it's all going to be fun.
3: Great. Uh, Brett, on that original topic when we played, uh, bumped in with Rachel Bade. Yeah. Is that what you're hearing? That people getting somewhat panicked that they got to turn the page and he, he's not up for the job?
13: You know – that's not how they said inside the White House that he's not up for the job, but they are concerned about the poll numbers, about uh, his um, ability to connect on a number of different fronts. The fact that he, you know, is not really good at Q and A and shies away from it. Uh, they've canceled, you know, uh, press avail[s] with various world leaders that have been usual events in the past, and there's a reason for that. Um, Kamala Harris's approval ratings are lower than, than his. And there is a thought in the democratic party about next steps. You know, what you you start to get to 2022 and we're still a year away, but Republicans definitely have the momentum, um, after Virginia and New Jersey, there is this kind of blueprint and the writing is on the wall. So who is the next leader? Biden has told allies that he's running again in 2024, but there is concern in the Democratic Party. There's no doubt about it.
3: I mean, if you're going to primary Jimmy Carter with Ted Kennedy, how could you not primary Joe Biden? But The question is with who? Just some stats. CBS did a poll. Only 4% think the country is doing well. 70% say it's doing badly. 44% approval rating, which is pretty high for him of late. But 58% approve of the bipartisan bill that passed. So Republicans should take note of that and if they don't like it they should say why so that's an important thing because Donald Trump's attacking people that did vote against it so when you look at that and you see how how the vice president seems out of her depth on almost every issue it's at, but you can't say well there's just bad perception bad timing it's if they both earned this disapproval and uh, and disillusionment
13: yeah i mean listen the the border situation was was horrific but and still is, I mean, depending on the surge that comes week to week. But Afghanistan was really the biggest moment, and you pointed that out at the beginning. It was a thing that cut through party lines. It got to competency. It got to um, truth with the American people. I mean, they kept on saying there's only 100 people left. Meanwhile, we knew that there were hundreds and hundreds, and the operations that, that were going on with former special ops officers who were going over by themselves with businesses that were fronting the money to do it. I mean, it, it just did not track, and it, it's it's something they don't talk about, uh, but Republicans will.
3: Uh, yeah, they will, and they, they seem to have a bit of momentum. With this reconciliation bill, I have not heard much specifically from Kirsten Cinema. Are, are you getting the sense that she has been won over and it's just Manchin left?
13: Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. I think um, cinema still has problems, and there are actually other moderate Democrats who have used the mansion cinema umbrella or shield uh, to kind of um, have concerns of their own. You know, it's going to get pared down uh, significantly uh, by by the Senate. Now, once that starts happening and they start going into the pay and how these policies and programs sunset after a short time, which is one of the budget gimmicks Manchin has talked about, um, you're going to start seeing it pair a little bit further down. Now, when that happens, I've said this before, but it's, it's like legislative Jenga, and you pull out um, a piece of the puzzle, and then the progressives in the House, who then have to pass what goes back to them, um, are not happy. So the question is whether it holds together.
3: So I'll give you an example. This is from the New York Times today. They interviewed AOC. I think the stakes are really, really high. The entire reason that the Progressive Caucus gave their votes to the recently passed $1 trillion infrastructure bill was based on the direct promises from the president as well as direct promises from the more conservative Democratic holdouts and from House leadership as well. So if those promises don't follow through, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to get votes on anything moving forward because the trust that was already so delicate will have been broken. Does she realize that if you break trust with a Democratic president— well, she think it's going to be better with the Republican president? Yeah, or House I mean, or Senate. You know, I mean,
13: that's as much of a threat as you can give, right? We're not going yeah. to pass anything of this Democratic pre- president who's in our party. You know, you better choose carefully before you vote, Joe Manchin, and you know, I mean, that's intra-party. Um, I think it's fascinating, and it'll be fascinating to watch. I think they'll They'll do some bending and um, they'll go further than they said they were going to go, but I don't think that some of the specifics in here are going to fly. You know, if you go into the tax stuff that actually passed the house, it's a lot more strict than people think it is. Um, for businesses, uh, the inability to depreciate and um, you know the specific tax policies the the worldwide corporate tax is is stiffer than they pitched to the worldwide leaders. Um, so we're going to go into the details and kind of uh, go into the weeds on special report inside this bill as it stands now over the next few days. And um, I'm try to lay
3: it out. So one of the big divisive factors and almost every political pundit who isn't so buried in partisanship politics, who decides like James Carville to look up uh, or others um, like David Axelrod, will say defunding the police was one of the worst things that any political party has ever done and said. So they've kind of gone silent on it, and if not, now starting to back the blue a little bit. But the only reason they've gone silent is no one asked. Jonathan Swan asked over the week on Axios on HBO to Rashida Talib, This is not going to be helpful for Democrats. Cut 38.
9: Enough increasing policing. It is cl- killing people. It's like every time we see crime go up. We say, "Oh my God, let's put more police officers out there. Let's put more guns out there."
0: I'll tell you, when I read that tweet, because because you said it can't be reformed, yeah. that suggests to Oh me, yeah,
9: it can't be reformed. That's a very true statement. You said no more police. Nice. I no, mean, but
0: that was in your quote. You said no more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. So to me, I I, I hear that. I see that tweet, and I think, oh, oh police can't be reformed. Therefore, we need to get rid of them. And so, with J- yeah,
9: policing in our country is broken. We, we have to reimagine what it means to be safe in our country. What but you're talking
0: about is a reduction in police.
9: I'm saying that our police structure right now isn't working the way we police our communities. It's just not working.
3: Okay, good luck with that.
13: I tell you what, this interview, I commend it to people. I think Jonathan does a, a great job. He's well prepared. And uh, this is a really bad interview with representative for her from Representative uh, Tlaib. I think uh, when it This funding of police, then there's another uh, little stipulation about uh, ending all federal prisons, which she voted for and sponsored that legislation, and then having her defend that is really something. And then getting rid of the filibuster and saying, well, I wouldn't like it if it was ended when it was Republican president and a Republican Senate and Republican House it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and uh, the interview is very well done so I commend you to pull it up.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So Brett, um what what's going on with Steve Hayes and Jonah Goldberg? Why did why did they why did they not want to come on? I know you I'm I'm friends with, with Steve Hayes, but not like you. You guys have been friends for years.
13: Yeah I think it was a tough choice uh but one that they made on principle. Uh and um You know, I'm going to let them speak for themselves. Uh, It's sad to see them go. And, um, you know, I'm always for hearing all kinds of voices, uh, left, right, Trump, whoever, um, supporters. And uh, so it's, you know, it's sad for special report, I think, for the network. But uh, they made their choice on principle. So I'll let their statement
3: stand. And, you know, I watched the feature with Tucker and uh, I watched it on on Fox Nation. Interesting perspective I didn't get before, but I didn't get hurt by it. I didn't get damaged by it. Were you Were you bothered by it? Because that's the reporting. There's um, yeah, Brian. I don't want to go down this
13: road. And and okay. uh, you know, I mean, there were concerns about it, definitely. And um, and I think that uh, the, the news division did what we do do. I mean, we covered the story. And um, you know, I wanted to do all of that internally. Uh Steve and Jonah made their decision and it's their decision.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh so Brad, who do you have on tonight in the panel?
13: Uh, Britt Hume's joining the panel and um uh, and I've got a couple others uh who uh, I think it's Harold Ford Jr. and uh Byron York.
3: All right. Uh an A team, another A list.
13: Yeah. Uh- It'll be good. And uh, listen, congrats on your book, the success. Are you going to do this book tour like through the end of the year, through February? What are you doing?
3: I think I'm going to, well, I've been gone for a week, right? Because of that, because of Hollywood, Florida. I think the one thing, I did a show last night where I get to talk about all my books on stage. And I'm thinking, Brett, we have to do something together. Not only um, do we have this great synergy and we smell good. (laughs) <laughs> but we also have the perfect topics. One leads to the other.
13: Yeah, I agree. I'm all for it. Let's set it up.
3: Yeah, I mean, we could set it up. And um, yeah, and I'm just trying to see what Allison's writing me. What is that? What did the you write that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, the VIPs get the book at your event. Oh, yeah. So my book. So uh, that was, that's my books. contribution. <laughs> yes.
13: Both? That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. Um, And I think those those tickets are going. They are. um, There's only, I think, 15 or 20 of those left. And then I've got a couple hundred of the other tickets. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be. I mean, it was
3: great two years ago when I was there, even the last year virtual was was interesting. And I think it'll be great. The other thing to bring up, uh, Brett, is that um, with your book and with my book, what I'm getting this time instead of like, oh, that's an interesting part about history. You realize, of course, the topics that we picked, and we had no idea when we were doing this, are right at what CRT is about. This is right right about our history and what is right and what is wrong. If you read your book, America doesn't look like this perfect country doesn't do anything wrong. Obviously, we're wrestling with Reconstruction and slavery and huge decisions and the post-war without Lincoln there. Uh, We were, were absent of leadership, and we have President Johnson, a raging racist. You need Grant to save the day, and he does, but at what cost? This is real history. We're not ducking it. That's nothing to do with saying, see, we want to whitewash history. Read it. And this is what drives me crazy, but it also heartens me that we could tell people that knowing our history is different from CRT.
13: Exactly. And, you know, when a a statue of Ulysses S. Grant is pulled down in San Francisco, I mean, that is exactly opposite of what uh, he was fighting for and Lincoln was fighting for. And Douglas was fighting for. So they took I Douglas think, out of Rochester.
3: They took a statue down in Rochester.
13: They should have put up another. It's insane. It's insane. But that's part of the thing is is to make sure that we don't lose that. And those um, those books really, I hear they they do that well.
3: Yeah. This is this right here. I never knew that, but. Uh, thanks, Brett. We'll work, we'll work it out. I'll talk to your people, your staff, and we'll see if we can get a stage show going. Uh, Brett Bear. Well, talk to you soon. Good luck tonight. All right, uh, you got it. Back in a moment.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: back, everybody. I'm just finishing up here this hour here on WDBO for uh, the National Network. We're located in Orlando today, back in New York tomorrow with a great we guest. Supposed to have Ennis Cantor maybe Wednesday, probably the bravest athlete. Uh, forget about Kaepernick, takes a knee and then hides. This guy's taking on a whole other country and calling out the most powerful man in sports and Michael Jordan, by the way. A C- couple of things with the President Freedom Fighter. It's just been great meeting everyone. Uh, From Fairhope, Alabama, to Pensacola, to the Villages, uh, over to Hollywood, Florida, and of course, uh, last night in Orlando at the Plaza Live. I'll be in Ponte Vedra December 3rd, December 4th at the uh, Bellheimer Capital Theater. Just a few tickets left in Clearwater, Florida. Then do a signing over in McLean, Virginia, at the Barnes & Noble there in Tyson's Corner. Hope to see everyone there. And then I'm going to the Book Loft in Ferdinand Beach, which is Amelia Island. Uh, I'll be doing that, uh, so that'll be great. And they'll be over in Texas, Tyler, as Tyler. well as Fort Worth. Yep, two events for Tyler. And then Longview, Texas, and then over to Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Newtown, Pennsylvania be a one-day trip. Cincinnati, Ohio, we just added that, right? Cincinnati and Dayton, yep. The Cincinnati and Dayton back-to-back will be great. You get to see WHIO listeners, then to... Uh, I'll be doing the, well, I don't know if that's open to the public, but Sea Island, I'll be uh, signing there. I'm not sure if you have to be a member there. But I also have another event that's going to be popping up. Just stay on top of it. Go to briankillme.com, And if you ever want the President Freedom Fighter, if you want to be guaranteed to get one gift under the tree that lands on time, that was printed in America, can be shipped in America, uh, you might as well get it. If you want it personalized, it goes to my local Barnes & Noble. At, uh, just go to com and click in there. They'll get back in touch with you, find out what you want to write. I show up when I can, and I sign them and get them out before the holidays. So that's what's going on.
11: Yeah, no, that's what's going on. Busy, busy stuff, and hopefully we have a relaxing little uh, weekend and enjoy Thanksgiving. We have five seconds left.
3: Right. All right. Uh, thanks, Allison. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Pete. And thank you for listening.